The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heagle falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast back in Halo Haven with, of course, the curator here. And I am Dan Garcia. Um, we'll get into the unfortunate uh, Monday through Wednesday series up in Oakland. We didn't put out a podcast last week. Shit's kind of crazy at my house right now. Couldn't get a, we're painting. And so I was kind of displaced for a little bit. Oh, so, man. so sorry about that. The nerve, the nerve. Don't they know we got something going on every <laughs> Sunday? So sorry about that. Um, but you know, the angels did come off with that back-to-back sweep. Um, obviously most recently of, of Arizona after that game, how did that make you feel after oh, the Arizona man. game? I mean, how the season's been going to this point, and then to come on, come out with the back-to-back sweep, six-game streak, uh, to come back in some of those games, uh, you're, you're feeling pretty good, and you're feeling like, okay, we could write the ship mm-hmm. that this season is salvageable, and at the halfway point or nearing the halfway point, point to be at 500. I was fine with that. I was feeling good. I was feeling like hope was uh, hope was alive. Or... Like, bring on the A's. We're ready. <laughs> yeah, come like, on. Okay, we're gonna show these guys this yeah. time around, and uh, not so well, much. <laughs> No, so obviously, like we mentioned, Angels had a great series out in Arizona. Kind of, now sketchy, but like it, some of those games are a lot closer than needing to be. And you kind of felt like if Arizona was a team, I wasn't say good team, but if they were just a reasonable team, it could have been a lot different. But Angels took advantage of the you know lesser competition. So coming into Monday, obviously a big step up in competition with Oakland A's still in the lead for the AL West. And you're kind of now using that as a measuring stick for the angels. Again, like we said, coming in on a six game winning streak, but uh, Dylan Bundy on the mound on Monday continues to struggle. So you're hoping again in this one, I guess for every start from now on, you're kind of hoping this is the one where he kind of gets back on, back on track. Yeah. I think his previous start, he was actually showing a little bit more, of the Bundy we came to know for 60 game season last year. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> you had the Lord Bundy and all the stuff that all the know, memes, all the stuff. Yep. And then I, again, you just can't put it together. And he said, he's feeling good. He said his arms feel, you know, he's feeling healthy and he's throwing all right, but I don't know. It, it's just not it's sticky. Yeah, the sticky, the sticky, the, the sticky, sticky. Yeah, exactly. Allegedly, allegedly quote unquote, allegedly. Yeah. So he would get up early uh, Bundy would by a Juan Lagares home run in the second. So you're already thinking to yourself, okay, pitching with a lead, a little more relaxed, a little more, you know, less stressed than like, say like a zero, zero game going into the fourth or fifth inning. But in the bottom of the second A's would get to Bundy with a two run home run, which you look at last year, you look at this year, you know, you can kind of look at all the other side stats, all you want and the defense behind them, all you want and stuff like that. But a stat that really stands out that is pretty much, not responsible for anyone but Bundy is this home runs. 
He's beginning up a ton more home runs. Yeah, I think he's like fifth most in the AL right, right. now. Right. It's like, I think there was a stat that came out where last year for the whole 60-game season, like seven home runs. I think he's already at like nine. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, what happened kind of deal. So he's leaving his fastball. And obviously, you know, a lot of his pitches over the plate way too much. But like I said, gives up that two-run home run. So now, obviously, it's two-to-one Oakland. But it can continued in the third. And that's kind of where the wheels fell off for for Dylan Bundy. After a hits batsman, uh, Bundy would end up having a five-run third to make it seven to one, Oakland, and that was it for Bundy. Two and a third, five hits, seven earned runs, two walks, three Ks. So again, we're back here. Feels like every time, every week, is Bundy good still? Yeah, you put it, you put that out on the poll too. He. Put it on the poll. Put it on uh, the poll. Yeah, Daniel put it on Instagram as a question, and I think the results, they finally, I think the final results were like 92%. Nin- or yeah, 91. 90, 91 to like, no, it was 90 said, to 10. 90 it, to 10. I was Well, the question was, is he the worst pitcher in the rotation right now? Not because Quintana's out. You know, you would think it would be that guy, but he doesn't count. He's not in the rotation. But as of right now, as this sits, we have Otani, Canning, um, Bundy, Sandoval, Sandoval, Cobb. Um, who else am I missing there? I feel like I'm missing someone else. Haney, Haney. Yeah. So that's the six. Is he the worst out of all oh, of them right 100%. now? <laughs> hey, but hey, there are some people that had uh, had some faith in him. There's uh, eight percent. You know who you are. Yeah, you know you are. I don't know what you're thinking, but you are. So question did, on did, our. Uh, do you think Bundy jumped from that pole? Yeah, right. Slide into the DM. He has, he, has a, he has a burner account. He has a burner account. Uh, how much longer do you give? This is a question we have on YouTube right now. How much longer do you keep Bundy in the rotation? He's been killing us. I don't know. It's going to get to the point. If he goes out again and gives up, you know, has a similar outing, there's got to be a point where we, we got to sit him. And maybe that'll be the motivation for him to move forward because he's just. Yeah, it's just goes out there and maybe put together two good innings and then just wheels fall off, big run inning, and it's just hard to recover from anything like that. And then I think the Angels end up coming back a little, a little bit, bit yeah. but it's just too late. Yeah, his ERA, Bundy's ERA is now up to 6.98. I mean, and to kind of give you guys a little foreshadowing um, in this episode, we're going to play clips of interviews I did both with Reed Detmers and uh, Rhett Bollinger from MLB.com. One of the questions I asked Rhett was that exact same thing. Because of Jose Suarez is kind of, you know, you've seen him in two, three uh, inning kind of spurts, and he's looked really, really good. Does he get like a Sandoval thing where it's like, hey, we'll put you out there in a spot start. Oh, wow, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing great. We're going to keep you going. And that's something I asked them. And so I don't know if it's going to – honestly, I don't know if it's going to be on the podcast clip, but if you want to see his answer, if you want to see the full interview for both of those – uh, interviews, both the Reed Detmers and the Red Bollinger one. Uh, go to our YouTube page, All Angels Podcast YouTube page. The full interviews there. We will play clips here on this on this podcast, but to see the full interview, um, the the Reed Bo- uh, the Reed Bollinger, <laughs> the Reed Detmers one is like 23, 22 minutes. The Red one is uh, about forty five minutes. So obviously, we couldn't play the whole thing here. But when you have time, if you can, go to our YouTube page. Is the full interviews are there? They're up. They're posted now. So that's a really great question. Um, uh, this Friday we're probably going to have Ty Butcher on the podcast. Okay, cool. Uh, this Friday we're probably gonna. Okay, there we go. Um, so um, Ty again. Ty nothing against Ty Butcher, but we've had him on the podcast too. Great guy. Got to meet him out in uh, Tempe Diablo. 
Yeah. Uh, wish him all the best. Talk to Sam talking. all the time. Sam's a, a, a his wife is great. We, we talk back and forth. Same thing with Ty. Uh, we talk to him all the time too. It's it's really really cool. So, back to the game on Monday. It would be um, eight to one in the top of the eight, uh, top of the seventh, um, and after a Jared Walsh double, a Jared Walsh double, um, another single by Juan Lagares, all RBIs. David Fletcher, another RBI single. This, you know, Fletcher is now really starting to kind of catch on fire a little bit from his earlier season slump. Well, then you see his numbers against Oakland. I think it's like uh, – Oh, it's crazy. It's like 45 games. If, if he ever hits the free agent market, Oakland should just sign him just because of yeah, all that. Yeah, just to not hurt me. Just, just, just hurt me. so he doesn't beat him like that. Uh, it's like, you know, lifetime batting average against Oakland, like 345, something right. around there. So, yeah, he's starting to catch fire, so that's good. I always think something about like, you know, you say, oh, historically they, they perform against a certain team. And it's like a lot of the guys that say the guys come and go from clubs. Yeah. So what is it? You know, is it the atmosphere? Is it? I don't know. That's that's a really good question. I don't question. know. And it's something, too, that you think about. And historically, we're talking about Fletcher and how good he does up in Oakland. We can also same thing, kind of flip it around and talk about how bad uh, Trout does in Houston. But yeah. in one of those uh, games where people are mic'd up, it caught on the mic where he just can't pick up the ball that well. The ball off the bat, uh, off, no, well, off, off, off the pitcher's hand because the batter, something with the batter's eye, just yeah, batter's eye, yeah. it's just something that's just different there. That other other parks he can't pick it up. So maybe it's the flip for Fletcher. Maybe there's something about that batter's eye that he can really just. No, but they're even talking hear. about even playing at home against Oakland. So it's like, oh, how do yeah. you explain that? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe he had a best friend that was from the area, and he now or, doesn't or like. I think I think even the greater stat is when you look at. The Angels, you know, against say like the Yankees and all oh, the, yeah. the few teams as a world are winning record against the Yankees. See, I'm, I'm but so, it's like people have come and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, like I, I'm kind of thinking too. Like here. I'm kind of thinking too because it is the Yankees and against teams with like kind of a historical history. Like yeah. when you're a kid, that's what you hear. The Yankees, the twenty whatever rings at the time, you hear it. So if you're hearing all that nostalgia and all that like hype when you're a kid, well then maybe you do get up a little bit more because now you're on the angels or now you're on the, you know, white Sox or now you're on yeah. the uh, Rays, And maybe you, you hear all, you remember hearing all that stuff when you're a kid. And it's like, yeah, I'm playing the Yankees and you get up maybe a little bit more for something like for teams like that. Oakland. I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe he had a best friend that lived up in Oakland and now they don't get along at all. <laughs> and so he's trying to take it out on them. I don't know. That's something a separate podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely. So um, after that, after that, uh, the Angels close it out the five to eight, and you're kind of thinking, okay, this is gonna get interesting. Again, this is the seventh inning, but that's as close as they can get. This final score is eight to five. Some things on this game that are kind of worth noting. You kind of mentioned it a little bit with Fletcher and his hot streak. Fletcher and Iglesias both get four hits in this game. So nice. again, guys that you don't expect to put the ball out of the ballpark, able to get on base. Um, normally five runs will, will win you a game, but because of that any that inning against against Bundy where it absolutely just blew up, you didn't even really have a shot. That and then Anthony Rendon left early in the game because of um something wrong with his tricep, a tricep strain or or something like around uh, along those lines. So that's something else to kind of um look at when we obviously start the series with Detroit coming back home, reopening day. So, wow. yeah, so it will be interesting to see how that goes. But like I mentioned, Angels dropped the opening game five to eight. Yeah. And getting back to Bundy, I mean, you know, first few months of the season, you're like, oh, it's just a small sample size, small sample size. This is a decent sample size. Now it's a, da- no, like, you're this absolutely is, right. We're almost to the, we're you're pretty much to the point right. of we're over a third, you know, 
through the season, yep. which we're looking at. Yeah, you know, it's the same sample size we had last year, in which we hailed them as Lord Bundy, and he got all the Cy, hype. You know, well, the funny part is we talk. I talk about this Cy with Young, Rhett. all that stuff. I talk about about this with Rhett, with Rhett on the interview. You know, at this time last year, after the season, everyone was saying extend them, extend them, extend them. Now it's looking really good that they didn't Ooh. because, uh, you know, him Bundy, Bundy, Yeeny, Cobb, Quintana, all four of those guys are going to be free agents at the end yeah. of this year. And I even asked you in the interview with Red, out of those guys, who do you think the Angels will, if any, will they resign? And again, he talks about that. And again, to get that full interview, go over to our YouTube page, uh, All Angels Podcast. And again, the full no spoiler. No spoiler. I mean, the, the clip Dude, gonna, I haven't even heard it. Well, that's your fault. The clip that we're going to play later has some good stuff in it, too. So definitely uh, stick around for that. So let's move over to Tuesday now. Um, you know, it, it sucks to lose a game like that against Oakland. But you, some of the good things, I guess, you can come out of it was that the offense was kind of clicking. The offense, like I mentioned, you got four hits from Fletcher. You got four hits from Iglesias. Um, you just kind of had to minimize that huge inning. So going into Tuesday, Andrew Heaney looked to take the mound. Um, you know, he's had, again, another one of these pitchers that's had a really good, really good starts and then really kind of average to below average starts. So you're always kind of wondering what is going to happen, what kind of start will uh, this pitcher be. So the Angels are up early again. I mean, that's kind of been the theme this whole series is that the Angels were up first um, in the whole series and yet could not hold the lead. And, and something that you think in baseball, score first and your, your chances of winning go way up. I mean, that's kind of something that they've always told you, like, in Little League and college and yeah, high school. Yeah, then if you're, like, watching, like, a play-by-play thing on the internet, it says the probability of right, yeah, yeah. winning. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when they're up, it's showing, like, it's, like, 98%. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So most teams, the Angels would get up first with an Upton when Upton drives in, um, drives in a run in the third inning. Now it's 1-0. Um, Upton's been really been surprisingly hot at that leadoff spot yeah and i think uh you know we're always critical of the manager everything that goes that wrong that but, worked wow uh that worked he he changed well, it with upton again i don't want to ruin the, the the interview but i asked Rhett, is it a, is it because he's at the leadoff spot or is it because we're so far in the season now upton's had a chance to kind of because upton's always been a slow starter would this have happened in the third spot just because he needed at bats you know what i mean like a lot of a lot of players say you need I need X amount at bats to feel like in midseason form. Did that just happen to be when he was in the leadoff spot, or was that just because it is the leadoff spot? You know what I mean? So I mean I don't know which one. I guess there is no wrong answer, but it's just I don't know something I thought nah, of. I think he uh he just has to have a different approach being the leadoff hitter and just a whole different mindset. No, I think it's that because we've seen a full season of Upton a few times. We're kind of Full, full, foolish, yeah, foolish, yeah. So, and and I don't think he's had. I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a different look for him and some motivation. And no, I like it. Yeah, I mentioned it before too. Like when the whole Albert thing, probably on this podcast, when the Albert thing happens, like, oh, you know what's going through now? Upton's mind. Oh crap, they're cutting guys. I gotta pick up my. Yeah, I'm I'm now the next oldest guy now that Albert's gone. So you have to think about it. I think that's part of it. Yeah, it's like. Oh, damn, they're I'm on my last year of the hey, contract. These, these next guys year. aren't messing around. I'm, here. On, I'm on my last year of the contract next year. I better start yeah. picking it up. But honestly, too, you see him running, you see him running like either in the outfield or on the bases. He looks a lot healthier this year than he has yeah, in that turf past. toe. Was I mean, anyone he, who's had that turf toe? I know we make fun of it, like, yeah, because oh, of the name, on. yeah, but, but uh, it's hard, yeah, you he, can't, you can't put you know, you can't run and 
get in the corner and then just stop real quick on a dime. Like, exactly. He's doing that. Right. And, and then even too, right in the bases, making the turn from first to third or, you know, second to home. Like before it was kind of like Albert, like, Oh, don't send him. Don't send him. Don't send yeah. him. Now it's like, he does feel like he's, he's moving a lot easier, a lot better. So you kind of do have a little bit more confidence in him. Like, you know, like I said, going first to third or going from second to home. And it shows too, I think in his at bats, you know, obviously the lower half is so important. Obviously when you can, have a solid foundation in the lower half that that means the world to someone like upton so like i mentioned upton uh puts him on the board but that lead wouldn't last long as the a's get two runs in the bottom of the third they seem to do a really good job at that whenever the angels score that very next half inning or maybe the next inning after that they came and were and, and responded to it like right away yeah, I remember like growing up playing baseball or like high school. The coach, you know, it, it sounds very obvious, but like you got to win every inning. Yeah. So if they put up a run, you put up two, well, you put up one. Let's cancel it out. Right. And that's how you win because they got the team with the highest score at the end of the game that scores the most runs wins. I thought it was the highest that's my like prediction. Average. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, but you're right. They always came back up. Yeah, and 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 you hear Gooby talk about it all the time on the broadcast where it's like the Angels get two runs. All right, this inning or this the very next half inning, you, you gotta put up, shut down you gotta inning, put man. up a zero because all the momentum you build will be gone just like that. If you even if it's like a two zero lead and you give up one, well now the team thinks it's still it's still in it. So now wow. you don't have any of that momentum that you uh, you know you accomplish by by getting up two zero or three zero. Yeah, or whatever you gotta grit you know grit your teeth, bear down, and just put up those zeros and. Yeah, you get, yeah. I think you, it's the comfortability out there, you know. Like, yeah, uh, hey, exactly. Easy cruising. <laughs> nope, no. So the Angels would end up tying it in the fifth when Fletcher singles in Kurt Suzuki again. Fletcher um, in Oakland, like you mentioned, against I guess just Oakland in general. Um, Oakland as, as absolutely killing it. A place that you've been. <laughs> they uh, what are they? I think it was like six thousand in attendance today. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I did ask someone about it. Oakland isn't at full capacity like down here. They're still they're they don't hit full capacity until two weeks, two more weeks. So, not saying that it's going to reach the magnitude of Angel Stadium tomorrow or Dodger Stadium yesterday, but at least I will grant them at least some kind of leeway because they're yeah, not. At full they need to bring in more tarps and then tarp up more seats. What if like you show up to Oakland one time, like every other section is tarp, and then their full capacity is twelve thousand, and they have six. So yeah, yeah, they should just make full capacity. They should do that, make full capacity like twelve thousand, sell out every single. Yeah. That, don't say that. Don't don't say the number of fans there. Just say sell out. Yep, it'll, it'll look great for clickbait for sure. So Haney would uh, end up starting the sixth inning and give up a single to the first batter, Matt Olson, and he would be done after that. So he does get into the sixth. Wasn't able to work. Or gave a chance to kind of like, you know, we'll give you out there. As long as you don't see it, get any trouble, we'll keep you out there. But that was it. Um, Olsen would end up coming around later, so that does go on Andrew Haney's line. And his final line was five innings, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts, so $6 for the Tyler Skaggs Foundation at the end of the year. But his pitch count was at 98. So it wasn't like he got taken out early. 98 yeah. over five innings is, is kind of really compressed, I think. Usually like 98. I'm hoping that's like through six, maybe in the seventh, you know, but like after five, I can kind of understand that. So you're just hoping that, you know, um, which kind of leads us into today. Yeah. We'll get the the pitch count. Yeah. We'll get get that one later for sure. But um, the A's would end up scoring three in that inning to make the score uh, five to two. So again, bullpen comes in, 
you know, obviously not the best situation with Olsen on first, but yet they still end up letting Olsen score and then two more to make it five to two. And now the Angels are um, playing from behind again. You know, they, they get up early, but then it always seems to find them in the middle innings that now they're behind and now they have to start playing catch up. And and, and for the most part, Oakland's bullpen isn't bad. I don't think it's like the shutdown bullpen that some teams have, but it's not, not it's better than ours. It's not terrible. You know what I mean? I think that's, that that definitely hurts the Angels in that situation. Um, so it would stay that way all the way to the eighth inning when Otani absolutely destroyed uh, another home run. And it's kind of crazy to think about everything he's doing right now, carrying this this team again. Because this game, like we mentioned in the previous one, Rendon wasn't in it with the whole tricep thing in Majig. So, you know, Otani's kind of that guy now that you're depending on to really carry the team, and that makes the score five to three. Um, but like we mentioned, you can't seem to hold the A's down. Every time the, the Angels score, Oakland comes back and, and does something to, to score themselves, and the A's would add another uh, another run in the bottom of the eighth when Slager gives up another home run. If I never see Slagers or Shishek in an Angels uniform again, I'll be fine with that. Okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, they just brought Slagers back up. Oh, dude, they brought him up at the beginning of this series. <laughs> and, like, welcome to uh, – And we are going to send you down. Yeah. Have fun. Thank you that for was, the – That was uh, – yeah, that was fun. So, yeah. So, again, Angels try to kind of creep back into it, unable to. Slager gets up another home run. Like I mentioned, C-Sheck, Slagers, like those guys, I'm sure they're great guys. I'm not going to say anything about them personally, but if I never see them in an Angel uniform again – I'll be good with that. Yeah, and the cool thing like about Otani is I think the first few years with Otani was I don't want to say it was novelty, but if he went out there and he did anything, you're like, wow, just the you know the two way. Mm-hmm. But now he's matured and he's like, like he's he has to be the leader. Rendon's out, Trout's out. out. It's like you're the man now. So well, he's not- definitely the face. I don't know. I don't know if he's like the leader of the, like. I don't know if he's the yeah. One he's like rah rah, but he's like okay. He's we're looking at you right now. This is a pressure we, situation. We want you we, up. You know, two it. on, yeah. two outs. We want Otani up. Not now. like oh, Otani hit a home run. That's cool. And yeah, threw a hundred mile an hour. That's even better. Oh, that's cool. We've seen that. Right now, it's like okay. Now you need to help us win. Right. So well, not even that. Cool. Like also on on the like you mentioned on the pitching mound. Like hey, we might need you to throw six innings strike out yeah. six and then oh yeah by the way get on base twice or something yeah. you know something like that and it's just kind of crazy to see that maturation of otani from his rookie of the year season to oh no he's damaged goods he's hurt he has tommy john da 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 to now where it's like he's finally healthy and finally able to put it together and stuff like that so he's a player he just crushes a lot crushes the ball a lot for sure another guy that's been struggling but has had Great home run numbers of Jared Walsh. He would also add a home run late in this game to make the score six to three, but that would end up being the final score. And again, one bad inning by the bullpen kind of blows it all up. This, I mean, the previous one was obviously by he, uh, by uh, Bundy. This one by the bullpen. And the Angels once again below five hundred. How that? How that feel being above five hundred for that small sample? Above or below? Above. I mean, we were only above for like two days. I think it was. I felt like it was, just, you know, like opening day. <laughs> we have a winning. We record. we won. We won the first game, so we we're one and zero. This deep in the year, wow! Like things are starting to come together. That's it. We're turning the corner. We're good. We're good. And I don't know about you, but my my mood goes the way Angels baseball goes. Does it? So basically, since two thousand fourteen, you've I've been, been in a crappy mood. <laughs> you've been in a crappy mood. Don't talk to me. It's been but a bad yeah, day. Like I'm like running high. Like usually, okay. So when 
they're down and you're like, oh, okay, this game's over, right? Yeah. You're like, this game's over. Uh, I, I get out of the car, I go into Starbucks out in like Torrance. Oh, I think it was on the Saturday game. And I come back out <laughs> and, like, and they're up like by two or three. And I'm like, what? That must have been a long ass Starbucks. That's been a long ass Starbucks line. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So you saw that little spark. I mean, it was the Diamondbacks, but yeah, yeah. And that, again, but just the comeback, but again, ability, though, too, it, and then to come out the next day and just put up some yeah, runs. But that's the thing, though, too. Like I was kind of saying, some of this stuff might have flew against the Diamondbacks. Some of this stuff might have flown against Kansas City, but against a really good team like the A's, you can't give them those those four run innings, five run innings, like and expect to come back. Like maybe against. Uh, a team like Arizona where their bullpen is like yours and can, you know, give up a five spot real quick. Oakland isn't like that. Good teams aren't like that. You know, uh, Houston, uh, Chicago, like these good teams that are on the top of their divisions aren't going to do that. And I think that was kind of a rude awakening for angel players and angel fans is that, you know, you can't afford to give up five run innings and compete, you know, realistically like, yeah, every once in a while you'll get a shot in the dark, but you know, that's what it is. So, obviously, Wednesday we go now to today. We're recording this Wednesday night. Angel's trying to avoid a sweep. You go back-to-back sweeps and then get swept yourself. I mean, I don't I don't know if that's how often that happens, but um, they're looking to not let it happen. Didn't happen. But they were looking for it not to happen at the beginning of this game. And with Griffin Canning on the mound, again, one of these guys like Heaney, like Cobb, uh, like Sandoval, you just don't know which one you're going to get until – the game's like halfway over or something like that. So um, the Angels again, again, up early in the first inning when Matt Stassi hits and Justin Upton for a 1-0 lead. But they would add more, uh, two more, when both Taylor Ward and Phil Gosson both get RBI singles to make it 3-0 after one. So in my head, I'm like, okay, cool. It's not one run. It's three runs after first inning. And you kind of feel like to yourself, Maybe maybe we won't get swept. Maybe we'll take you know get at least one out of in Oakland, which you know in a three game series, one out of three against a top rated team, you can still kind of save it. You can still say we went was it uh four four for two in the road trip, which is still good. Yeah, I mean, and then this is all in division. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you saw the numbers. The Angels within the AL West, it's uh. I guess the word would be atrocious. Uh, it's so bad and it just hurts so much more when it's in division play and you have that opportunity to to uh put up the runs or yeah. to, to move up in the standings. Yeah. There it is. And you have a per- and that was a perfect opportunity for, for Oakland to do it when or for the A's Angels to do it against the A's. Again, the thing about the Angels streak, they went like seven and three over ten before Oakland. Well, guess what? So did Oakland. So you got you gained no no ground on the division. So now you're in Oakland. You you're hoping to take advantage of it. And obviously they were not able to um, Otani in the fourth though, for back-to-back games hits a bomb. And this one went second deck in Oakland, which they are saying that doesn't happen very often in Oakland. You know, obviously Oakland, Oakland kind of reminds me of Anaheim a little bit where if it's during the day, the ball travels. Well, yeah. if it's at night, and now you start getting that mist, that marine layer. Marine, yeah, they have the marine layer up there, right? So yeah, exactly. So if it's the afternoon game, night game, you're not going to get it as much. But this ball was absolutely destroyed. Makes it four zero after two. Otani's nineteenth home run of the year. And then you were kind of talking about before pod in our preview. You know, obviously opening day, I believe I had the under over at like twenty five home runs for Otani. Yeah, I have to go back I and think listen. You were under. 
I go? I don't think I went under. I think I went over. over. I know that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it was lower. I think you had like twenty two or something. No, well, maybe yeah. I have to go back and listen. Or I admit, hey, in all honesty, though, go back to the beginning of the season. Twenty two home runs from Otani, who was coming off a you know injury after a kind and, of like you know, eh, season. Anything you're just not really high on him too much. Right. Yeah, I meant. 22 home runs I've been happy with. Exactly. So Yeah, but he already at 19. He's going to have 22 before the All-Star. He's already at 19. I think he's like in third place and over in the majors overall behind I believe it's obviously Vlad Jr. He's just on a tear right now. Yeah. Acuña Jr. and then there it is Otani. I mean, and none of those guys throw 100. So, when it comes to the AL MVP, I've heard it both ways. That people will will say Otani because of the pitching part of it. What do you feel like? Do you feel like Otani's like the the head guy right now in the AL MVP kind of stand in the I don't race? Know that he also doesn't you know play a position too. So. Well, he pitches. So, That's a position. Yeah, pitch, yeah, but once every you know maybe six days, maybe still. Yeah, I mean uh, the cool factor and the I mean going both ways. Of course, that has the most impact. If he adds some more wins to his. His total than 100. Well, I don't. But Vlad Jr. today or today or yesterday said something to the fact that he's the MVP in the. Well, AM. like I think wins are kind of overrated. Like you saw, um, Felix Hernandez win it, what like four or five years ago for Seattle, and I think he won like 11 games, but because of the run support was so bad. Yeah, and you can kind of say the same thing. Low with, ERA with with that. with the Grom too. Like he doesn't get a lot of wins because the Mets don't help him. Yeah, but he lost two games and it's like his ERA's point. Yeah, exactly. He's won. He's won like he's lost like three games and or four games where the score was like two to zero or like one zero or something like that. And the one, the other one, was from the bullpen. It wasn't even him, kind of deal. So I don't know. Wins aren't important. I still think Otani is killing it both ways. Plus, I, I, plus, Vlad Jr. played in that small ballpark down in uh, wherever it was, Florida. Yeah, I don't even know the city. Deanington or Dianton? Yeah, that thing was a band box. It was a spring training facility. And then now even in Buffalo, Buffalo it's still on the same. So, yeah. After how many years do we get to rename the the Blue Jays the Buffalo Jays? Hey, yeah, Buffalo Blue Jays has a nice little ring to it. PPJ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So, again, Otani absolutely crushes the ball. 19th of the year. Again, we like we said before, absolutely killing it. Carrying this team on his back because, again, no Rendon in this game. So we'll have to kind of wait and see in that. And the top of the fourth, um, this guy loves playing against the Angels. You mentioned how Fletcher loves playing against the A's. This guy must love playing against the Angels. Roman uh, uh, Liriano ends up robbing a home run from Upton. Guess what? The very next half inning, he bats second. What does he do? Puts the ball out of the ballpark. And if you remember the series in, in Anaheim a little while ago, Angels down ninth inning. I don't think it was Upton. Maybe it was Otani. Same thing, robs a home run to like end the game where yeah. this game, where this home run would have like tied it. Like he loves playing the Angels. He puts the A's on the board four to one, and in the bottom of the fifth, yeah, the A's would continue to inch back with another run on a fielder's choice to make it four to two after five. So you're thinking to yourself, four to two after five, not terrible. You have yet to have, you've been able to avoid um, that huge blow up inning, and now you're into the sixth inning. Um, but that would be it for Canning. After the fifth inning, wasn't able to even come out for the sixth to even try to um, work his way back. So Canning would be done going five innings, three hits, two earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, but only 69 pitches. So obviously had plenty of left in the tank. The reasoning, I guess they said, third time through the lineup, two lefties up 
at first. Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at it from a sabermetric perspective, uh, which, Chris isn't a sabermetric which, person. Uh, I don't really like. Um, that yeah, it, it just tells you the third time through they, you know, that they rake them, they, you know, they're all over it, and so that's what they went with and put it in, put in Tony Watson. Yeah. Who, so who has been a pretty consistent guy for the angels, especially in relief. Um, but yeah, I would only thing is that I would have loved to see Kenny at least come out for the six. Yeah. Kind of give that opportunity you gave to Heaney. Give him that guy. If he gets on. Okay, cool. Pull him. Obviously it's the, the matchups aren't working, but what happens if he gets one out? Okay, cool. What if he gets the second out? Now you're righty versus righty. What if he gets that guy? You know, there's so many things that could have happened to to prevent what happened to happen. And so I would just love to see, again, 69 pitches. Your starting rotation as of recently has been, I mean, outside of like Bundy and then like the one cop start. But besides that, your starting rotation has been really, really good. And if you want, and the bullpen has, and if you also want Canning to develop into the pitcher you want him to do, be like a number two pitcher, right? Uh, this guy needs to start working and building up. I know he's coming off injury, uh, to get to that hundred pitch mark. Like we can't baby glove it all the time, yeah, for years upon years. Right. Like sixty five pitches is like where you let a little league starter go out and to save their arm when they're young. Yeah, like you you gotta progress. And guess what? Angels lose anyways. Right. So what does it even matter? So, you know, at this point, I would love I've seen or or I don't, you know, just heard like Madden go up to Canning in the dugout after the fifth saying, hey, we're going to give you an opportunity to play the six. We're going to we're going to give you that opportunity to work because, again, he's only given up two runs. He hasn't been really hit very hard. You know, there's there, there's some he, he did put himself in some situation, but was able to work out of it. There wasn't like that huge four run inning. We're like, OK, now we got to take you out. You know what I mean? I would have loved to Madden to be go up to him and be like, hey, you work through this now. We're going to give you the ball in the six. You want to be a player? Go out there and prove it. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I didn't have a chance to talk about this, but I think the grittiest performance we've seen on the mound this season was Alex Cobb. After giving up that grand gave slam. Gave up a grand slam. Most pitchers are done, whether they pull them or just they're mentally. just mentally done. And I'm like, eh. You know, this game's and I'm going seven innings and then for him to come out and go seven innings. He gave up a ton of runs, but guess what? That's old. That's 1985 baseball. Boom. Where people give up. I don't know. Jack Morris will go out there and give up a ton <laughs> of runs, but he pitched, you know, nine innings. Everyone that's watching on YouTube does not have any idea who that yeah. is. He's got a mustache like me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he would get the win and get the win. And that's all that matters. And so I thought that was probably the best performance I've seen all season, even though it wasn't the most polished. No, it but it was gritty. Like I struck it out was, 15, was, but that's how you got to do You got to go but out the there. Thing is, though, he held the team down and let the Angels come back and win that game, but he held them down. Again, I would have loved Kenny, see Kenny come out there. And if he gives up that first base hit, cool. Now you now I feel like, okay, now it's vindicated to make that move, but at least give the kid an opportunity to continue the game. It wasn't like he was at, it wasn't like he was Haney. Where he was at ninety something pitches going into that inning, then I'm like, okay, yeah, a, a lot of compressed in a lot of high pitched innings, a lot of stressful innings pitches. I understand it, but dudes, not even at seventy yet, give him an opportunity, and that's to me, I think that's Madden again, overthinking shit, thinking he's the like smartest man in the room kind of deal. Yeah. So obviously, Tony Watson came in for the sixth inning, but it absolutely blew up on him, like you mentioned. Been a reliable guy for the year, but again, in my eyes, you know, I don't know. 
this bullpen has been so everybody from Iglesias to Myers to Watson to like C Shack to I mean everyone has had more than a handful of blow-ups in the season. And when your starting rotation is the best part of like your pitching, you know, side of the of, of the team, you got to give him an opportunity. So he ends up giving up five straight hits plus an intentional walk. And now the next thing you know, you blink and it's five to four. Yeah, I was looking at my phone at work and I saw that 4-0 uh, lead. You're like, yeah, oh, right, yeah. yeah. We're going to salvage this uh, this uh, series. And, yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah. So Steve Cisek and Jose uh, Suarez end up coming in to kind of clean up his mess in that inning. But all the runs that Tony Watson would will, will leave with on base would end up coming around to score. <laughs> so you look at Cisek and, and, like, Suarez's um, line in the box scores. No runs, maybe like a couple of hits, but like it looks clean. And then you look at Tony Watson's line, he goes zero innings, five hits, six runs, and one walk. So obviously not great for your ERA. You're okay with Tony Watson. You just want Schlager's gone. Do you never see him again? And and C check. Well, but... I don't want this team to start all over again. Oh, At least not now in the middle of this. Oh, if this wasn't, we already the, did this last year. Yeah, well, I say carried one bullpen guy <laughs> over from last year. What do you want to do here? We might. You know, it'd be funny too because honestly, in this look at Joe Smith. He's still around. <laughs> honestly, if this way it's going, you're probably not going to have anyone carried over because a uh, C Rod is probably going to be in the rotation next year. So you're not going to have anyone in the bullpen next year. So um, we'll see how that goes and. Uh, uh, Jeff Fletcher, the OC register, kind of tweeted out at the time of the moves, like, well, you have all your high leverage or all your good relievers rested at this point, so it's a good move. And I'm like, trick question or trick answer. They don't have any good uh, uh, relievers, so it doesn't really matter yeah. at that point. So, um, yeah, very frustrating to see. Very like, – another winnable game, I think, for the Angels. And, they, and then, again, they end up dropping this game 8-4, to four, um, get swept by the A's. For for all the momentum and confidence coming into the series, it seemed like it just went right out the door. So yeah. I mean, I guess bring on the Detroit Tigers. That's the good part about that. Oh. It's like you know, at least the Detroit Tigers are coming into uh, Angel Stadium starting this uh, starting tomorrow. And again, another team that isn't as bad as um, Arizona, but I think they're probably comparable to Kansas City, where they have some good players on there. They have some guys. Yeah, I remember we we kind of downplay the you know diamondbacks royals but the royals got us that first time around yeah when they were hot yeah and we were we were actually pretty hot going into that series and i feel like that's kind of where we tailspin into um you know the last few months and that happened at the hands of the royals and then like the like the old adage goes you got to win the you got you got to win those games, games right yeah you got to beat the you gotta beat the bad teams you got to beat the bad teams if you want to you know Beat the good team, and a lot of times we don't beat the bad team, right? And that's the funny part. Like about the Rangers will come in. Well, you and mentioned the it. Rangers will sweep us in. Well, you Ar- mentioned you know, it too. Arlington. You know, the I know New York isn't great right now, but traditionally New York is a competitive team, and then yet the Angels do great against them. And then, like you yeah. mentioned, uh, the, the the Mariners or you know Texas will come in and yeah. demolish the Angels. They're like what the? We just got done beating you know three out of four from New York, and then we get swept by Texas in a game three. So series. I think it was worth celebrating, even you know the sweeps were against those teams. Are still worth worthy. Yeah, exactly. Especially you know the Angels. <laughs> so um, obviously, what like you mentioned, the series coming up is in Anaheim. Is against the uh, Detroit Tigers. Thursday, you have Otani on the mound 
pitching, maybe hitting. It really will come down to Anthony Rendon and what his health is because he did not go on the IL. So that means he is still taking up a a roster spot, which means there's, if he's not uh, um, available to pitch hit at least, there's one less guy on the bench for, again, when Otani gets out, you don't get that DH back. So if Rendon's starting or at least well enough to pitch hit, then you can see Otani back. But if not, you're going to see someone else in there in the DH spot, and Otani is just going to pitch. So that's something to kind of look out for um, early in the morning or afternoon to see what the lineup is going to be. But Otani pitches on Thursday. Cobb pitches Friday. Saturday, Sandoval gets the mound, and we will actually be in attendance Saturday night. Yeah, my first game in almost two years. I can't what, 19, it. right? Two of the 19. Yeah, but it was the game uh... – the first home game after the death, right? The no hitter, the no hitter, yeah. And then I never went the rest of the season. And then 2020 happened, and And you're probably thinking, like, ah, we'll go next season, it's cool, don't worry about it. And then 2020 happens, and just kept going, nothing moving back. So, we will be at Angel Stadium Saturday night with Sandoval on the mound again. Follow us on all our social media feeds, Halo underscore Haven. I know Chris is trying to work on some stuff, we'll see if we get that stuff done by then. Um, but again. Love to kind of meet you guys. Maybe we'll do like a small secret tailgate. I don't want to say it too loud because I don't want Angel Stan to know. Yeah, vaccinated only. <laughs> vaccinated zone. <laughs> it's vaccinated. Chris is going to be like the bouncer and check your card. But no, so uh, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, Halo underscore Haven. We'll post when we're there, when we're on the way there, where we're at. And uh, it'd be cool to kind of to meet some of you guys now that the stadium will be 100% open. Are you kind of worried about that at all? Not at all. Not at all? Yeah. At all. Well, you went to a, a reopening day yourself. Yeah, I went to the 66ers reopening day. Right. Which Yesterday. I haven't been there for a while, and that's kind of our home field. And so that was cool. It was hot. So hot. Man. So hot. And then the lights wouldn't come on. That's funny when you touched me that. flex alert going on and rolling blackouts. blackouts. But I Don't you know who we are? I talked to the general manager. He said that they had a guy working on um, some electrical stuff. And he, but, he like flipped. Yeah, he flipped some panels, some switch. and He got electrocuted. Yeah, you see so smoke coming know. off his hair. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see baseball back, um, just be back in the routine and see some of the guys down on the farm. Yeah. Jackson, Paris. Well, you said Jackson didn't play. Uh, Paris wasn't playing. Paris wasn't playing. Deshaun, playing, Deshaun, Deshaun Knowles, Deshaun outfielder. Yeah, he just came up. He just came up like a probably like two, three weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, follow him on social media. He seems to be really interactive with fans on social yeah, media. He seems, seems like a cool dude. Seems like a cool guy. So that Saturday will be at Angel Stadium, full capacity. Um, and then Sunday, Father's Day, Bundy versus Casey Mize. And if you remember that name, it's like the their number first one first round, round number one. one number one one. He pitched well. He pitched yesterday. Yeah, looked pretty good. I think his overall is like three and three. Um, did you see where they came out and took his glove? Oh yeah, that's something interesting. So they had, I guess, he had a darker glove, like a gray glove. Gray and they glove. had the gray aways. Right. Nobody made a complaint about it. The umpire on his own accord went up there and said, "Hey, I'm gonna take the glove off." He needs to switch it out. So he got his teammates' glove, had the little, his name on it and all that. But he had a lighter tan. Yeah, but yeah, lighter tan. Mice one. is pretty. He's upset afterwards if you saw Dude, he was pissed. Game. Yeah. He's all because people are going to assume that I'm using the sticky stuff. The sticky stuff. The sticky the, icky. The spider. Spider. Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. um, and this time we're not talking about Tory Hunter. Um, but yeah, so that's actually going to be really interesting to see if Bundy can uh, buck up, if you will, to the younger, up and coming uh, Casey Mice. But that's going to be on Father's Day. So, um, Happy Father's Day to all you guys out there. Our next podcast will probably be on that Monday after Father's Day because it is an off day, which is a weird off day, a Monday. 
but that's will be our probably next podcast because there's no point in doing it Sunday night if you know they're going to be off the next day. So we'll do it one Monday night. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, another episode of the Curators Chronicles. This is Chris Rodriguez with the Los Angeles Angels, and you're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Let's go! It's uh, definitely, it was, it was it's a hot, hot, hot day. day for, I hot day. Know, in the Bay, it was probably a little cooler. It's a hot day for a ball game. And I was like, it's a uh, kind of okay day. <laughs> right, yeah. It's always a good day for a ball game, but it was a hot one. Um, if it, Yeah. Uh, so we're back with another edition of the Curators Chronicles. If you tuned in the last time I was on the podcast, it's been a few weeks, um, I did I had a hard hat from the stadium from the rebuild um, for the rebuild remodel the yeah. Edison uh, renovation. Uh, that was, um, well, it was called the big ed, big ed, yeah, the big ed went to the big ed, but it was done by Disney, the big, big, um, 96 stadium reopened in 97 and it still was a construction zone. Uh, so a lot of the execs would roll around those hard hats. But again, we talk about the stadium that we all love that we grew up around. Um, maybe you're just getting involved in angels baseball and you're kind of only know the new stadium, but, uh, today I present you if you're watching online. Um, I will show you my Danbury meant model of Anaheim stadium, the way it used to look. So if you're seeing that right now, yeah, the closed, so, the closed Rams yeah, so, version of it. So angel stadium obviously opened up in 1966. It was open in the outfield. So the big a kids was actually located in left field and it was painted white. It was huge. It was something uh, kind of spectacular. I right. returned to that. So I found this old photo actually at the swap meet that I'm showing you, but it actually shows the big a still in left field. Um, so, but with the expansion or with the Rams wanting Look, to move yeah. to Anaheim, uh, they closed up the stadium like many stadiums did After, during that era. Hashtag, so it became, hashtag 80s. Hashtag 70s yeah. and 80s. <laughs> yeah. So they had that big, you know, multi-use stadium, football, baseball, which has completely been moved away from now with the Raiders leaving. But they had the stadium in Oakland, kind of perfect. That Oakland was the team that they got done playing. It still looks like the same, like, when the Rams left, Angels totally remodeled. When these other teams left, like the duel, they either remodeled or got new stadiums. Where Oakland is just, they, they stay. They don't know, of <laughs> course, man. And so, uh, with that stadium, um, in 1980, and so uh, this is the stadium I remember from when I was a kid, uh, for the most part. But being all the way around, so you could walk up um, some of the seats that you see in the top. Obviously, you're no longer there. Um, but one of my fondest memories uh, was they did a – did we talk about this? They, where they did a turn back the clock night for the 35th anniversary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It was my birthday party. It was my 13th birthday. And so hot dogs were 10 cents, drinks were 10 cents. So people were just basically throwing food all at each other. It was a like humongous food fight. food fight. But it's way up here where it doesn't exist. It's like where that screen is now, that big oh, screen yeah, uh-huh. left. Um, so that's the stadium I remember. And then there's actually a piece – of this a that fell off but just like the northridge earthquake in 1994 this big a piece came falling off and plummeting to the ground <laughs> tons of concrete but that little a piece is actually um part of the entrance over 
off State College. Oh, that's the A. That's, that's the A. The, they and moved that's the it a. from what okay. I've heard. So that's kind of cool. They kind of kept that tradition um, there. Um, but uh, that was the stadium uh, growing up. But this was made by Danbury Mint. Uh, if you're familiar with Danbury Mint, they make all those little collectible things that you oh, pay yeah. like for way too much. Yeah, four monthly payments and one hard payment <laughs> of twenty dollars a month for like five years to get some collector like. but they also made a new edition of this that looks like the current stadium which is very very hard to come by um but i always remember the saying you still see you know pieces of it when you walk down the back sides that's still the same so it's kind of a you know a little bit different and it it was a multi-use so you see a lot of ram stuff you see all these kind of like cheesy uh, murals on the wall and so if you uh, were around during that area, you know exactly um, uh, what it looked like. If you go onto our YouTube channel, there is some home video footage that was taken by John's dad with the big RCA VHS <laughs> on his shoulder. Huge. I can't believe they let him bring it into the game. And also that's a weapon. Now he had the commitment to bring it, hold to the it, they'll hold it. Yeah. So it was cool. So I was going through some footage this week too. Um, it's like Jimmy Reese and, you know, young Tim Salmon, a Gary Gaetti, all walking around for picture day. So, and there's also cool views of the press box, which is no longer there. Um, it was like KMPC <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, check that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, be on the lookout, this uh, Danbury Mint model, and just kind of a nice little – and then we talked a lot about, you know, a possible new stadium. So, what's yeah. that going to look like? Uh, are they just going to renovate the existing stadium one more time? But uh, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, only time will tell. And then yeah. I'm sure you'll find a mint. So let's just say they, they do build a new stadium. You'll find a mint like the current stadium at some point, and I'm sure that'll be a yeah, little You know what the – talk about full capacity. Do you know what full capacity was Ooh, back full good capacity. question. I'm guessing somewhere around ooh, 55 to 60,000. It's about 69,000. 69, nice. Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> Yeah, almost 70,000 people at the Big A. Wow, that must have been loud if they ever sold it yeah, out. Yeah, we, we didn't sell it. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> if, they, if they ever sold it out. So, obviously, maybe this opening day tomorrow, reopening day, it will be sold out. We'll see how that goes. So, that's been a, another edition of the Curators Chronicles. Let's go! Like I mentioned earlier, I was able to talk to both Reed Detmers, the number two Angels prospect by MLB Pipeline, um, kind of about the 2020 season, about this year, about, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. And also uh, MLB.com writer Rhett Bollinger about the season so far. Last time we talked to him was uh, during spring training before the season started. Those full episodes are on our YouTube page. They're up now, um, available to watch. This is going to be kind of a little um, preview of both for you guys. So if you like what you hear, hell, if if you don't like what you hear, go watch the full. <laughs> go. It's like a little appetizer sampler. Yeah, product. yeah, exactly. Oh, those yeah. are the best, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, like at the sizzler. Like, you don't want to fully commit to a menu item. And you're like, like the sizzler, oh, but I want them all. Yeah, yeah. like the sizzler. Exactly. Oh, sizzler, so. they're going out, man. <laughs> all right. So here's the here's our interview. My next guest on the All Angels podcast is one of the young arms in the Angels organization. That's Reed Detmers, the first round, 10th overall pick in 2020. Reed, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. So like I mentioned, 
Uh, first round pick, 10th overall in 2020. 2020 in general was just kind of crazy for a lot of people. How was the lead up to the draft? Um, it being such a uncertain time and, you know, obviously the season didn't finish in college and the draft was in question for a while. Uh, yeah, it's definitely pretty weird. Um, once the season ended, it was just me and my roommate. Uh, we pretty much just stayed on campus at our house and did our best to work out. Um, we didn't have any facilities or anything. Um, we just kind of went in the courtyard, did a couple things, played catch every day, the bullpens a couple times a week. And then like heading up to the draft was pretty hectic. Um, just talking to teams every day, maybe sometimes a couple of teams a day. Um, but once they got closer, they started narrow narrowing down their, their picks. So it got a little bit less uh, hectic, I guess. Um, and then yeah, the day came and I was an angel. So how did you feel leading up to it? Did you have a feeling you were going to go in the top 10? Did you have a feeling you were going to go early? Or, or what was your overall kind of uh, thought around it? Um, I originally thought I, originally I knew I thought I was going to go in the top 10. Um, but once the day came, I, I had no clue where I was going to go. Um, it got very, it got very, a lot of teams were back and out. Um, and yeah, I mean, my, my agent called and, they're like, hey, I, we don't know where you're going to go. Like, every, everybody's backing out. Everybody, like, it's getting pretty crazy. I was like, all right, that's fine. Just just let me know when a team calls. And so the Angels called. And, yeah, it was a dream come true. How was it being at Louisville, your college, uh, surrounded by family and friends during that process? Do you remember the emotions that were coming through you uh, at the time when you did finally hear your name called? Uh, yeah. Um slightly i kind of blacked out i kind of blacked out during the moment but um it was, it was special man um just being able to experience that with all my teammates and my family um that was that was a pretty cool moment um obviously angels fans know the pitching has been a struggle in the years past and when fans talk about making moves and bringing guys in the two names through you know angels twitter it just kind of the fan part of it is you cannot trade Chris Rodriguez and you cannot trade Reed Detmers no matter who the return is. And when you hear something like that where the fans want to see you in the Angel uniform, how does that make you feel? Uh, I mean, good. Um, knowing that the team you're playing for, they, they want the fan base wants to keep you. That, that's, uh, that feels pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's I'm just excited, man. Um, just ready to go out there and compete um, whenever the chance comes. Uh, I don't know when it will be. Um, it could be whenever. Um, who knows? But, but yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, and, yeah, just looking, looking forward to play out there in front of the great games we have. Your first start was May 5th. And like you mentioned before, like it was kind of like a, a season long of practices out in Long Beach. So when May 5th happened, it was your first professional start. Was there nerves or what, what was going through your head when you're uh, on your way to the mound on that game? Um, I wouldn't say there was nerves. Um, I, was, I was very anxious um, not being able to pitch in an actual game in over a year. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I was just very anxious, um, went out there, and I thought my stuff was good. Um, I just found things, found things off, um, 
And yeah, just got my pitch count way up really quick. Um, and obviously it wasn't the debut that I wanted, but uh, I learned from it and kind of went out the next outing and kind of did what I wanted to do. So obviously the Trash Pandas, the very first season of them have a brand new field, Toyota Field. I've only seen it in photos, but it looks absolutely awesome. So when you walk onto the field or see it, you know, you guys have like uh, media day and all that stuff kind of leading up to the first game. What are your thoughts about that brand new stadium? Yeah, it's sick. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect when I got here. Um, but as soon as I pulled up to the stadium the first day we were here, I was like, wow, this this place is, is legit. Um, and walking down to the locker clubhouse, seeing the locker room and our weight room and stuff like that. Like, this is probably one of the best stadiums in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's just it's just nice having a nice facility at your home ballpark. Um, you're going to a nice facility, like you're just comfortable. Um, and then going out into the field, seeing the five to eight thousand fans we get every game. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, they're loud. They're into it the whole game. There's never a, a quiet moment, and uh, yeah, they take they take things very serious here. So obviously what we do too on the podcast, when we have guys on for the first time, we'd like to get you to know you a little better off the field. Cause obviously every time we see you with the ball in your hands, pitching um, on the mound. So first thing I want to ask you strikeout looking or strikeout swinging. Uh, looking. Do you have a preferred uh, uh, pitch? Um, no, not really. I mean, seeing them, Strikeout looking on the backdoor curveball is pretty cool. <laughs> or a fastball inside or something like that. Um, so you spent time, obviously, in Long Beach last year with uh, the at uh, Long Beach. <coughs> what are your thoughts about In-N-Out? In-N-Out. Oh, man. Um, I've only had it like three times. Um, I, w- I will say it's, it's better than McDonald's. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's just like it's fast food. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any like fast food you can be like, wow, that's that's really good. Um, but yeah, I would I would say it's better than McDonald's and like every like most places. And I want to welcome back our next guest, MLB beat writer, MLB.com beat writer, Rhett Bollinger. How you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back on. I'm glad you're one of the um, left angel beat reporters that didn't leave so that's uh always good to have you on uh, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit too otani um pitching and hitting a lot more this year than i think we've seen him at, at all in the past especially with like not really getting the day off before and after um the he's done great i think he's a front runner obviously for al mvp was this kind of expected this kind of start to a season as far as hitting everything out striking everybody out was this kind of expected I think there was a hope that he could do this, but I don't think anybody really thought he was going to play this much. You kept hearing, you know, during the winter meetings and during talks with Joe and even during spring training that they were going to – no restrictions on Otani and all that. But to a lot of us, it still meant, okay, no restrictions, but it still means he's probably going to be out of the lineup the day before it starts or maybe after it, maybe the day of, and he'll get, you know, a decent amount of rest as a hitter. And um, But so far, as you know, he's been pretty much playing every single game outside of those NL rules where he didn't play the outfield because it made sense. It would have been probably too much on him. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's been pretty incredible what he's been able to do. Like you said, I think right now 
along with, you know, Toronto's uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They're kind of the, the two front runners right now for AL MVP. Um, and Otani seems like every time he, you know, he's, every start he's setting some new milestone and some new yeah. record that only like Babe Ruth or somebody had ever set before. <laughs> so uh, it really is amazing. And it's good for baseball. You know, I think that everyone thought this could happen because of what happened in 2018 when he was a rookie. He really was this good too. Um, but so since the injuries and all that, you know, kind of last year was pretty forgettable. There was some concern, like, is he going to be able to do this? And sure enough, you know, he's basically erased all doubts and has really been probably the biggest storyline in baseball this year. I think, like we talked about earlier, the starting pitching has been a lot better. Um, even the bullpen has been better because of that, because they've had fewer innings to have to cover. And then we've seen some other guys step up. You know, we've seen Max Stassi become, uh, you yeah. know, one of the better hitting catchers in baseball, uh, which has been really impressive. And, um, you know, Jared Walsh had a little bit of a, of a little bit of a slump there, but still, uh, you know, one of the better first basemen in baseball so far this season. Otani's obviously carried that load. Um, and we've seen guys step up like Taylor Ward has played pretty well in right field. Uh, Ligaris has come through a few times out in center. Um, and the big one too is Justin Upton. I don't know. I don't know how Joe realized <laughs> to put him in, you know, leadoff spot. It would actually work. I remember thinking that it was totally crazy when he did it. Cause you know, Upton was outside of some power. Wasn't really having a very good year wasn't really getting on base and all of a sudden now moving the leadoff spot and he's, you know, become one of their best players and uh, is hitting home runs and drawing walks and looks like the Justin Upton of old. Um, so that's been a big thing. I think Upton getting on base and setting that tone atop the lineup has been huge. They've been scoring runs early in games, kind of like Matt likes to say, kind of punching them in the mouth and then kind of having that first punch there and kind of going from there. And it's been a good strategy. I mean, it was tough going into Oakland in that first game. You know, Bundy just didn't have it and truthfully just hasn't really had it in most of his starts this year. So that's been a, an issue. But we've seen Patrick Sandoval step up, too. And we'll see what happens when, when Quintana is healthy. What do you think it's been, you know, for Bundy, you know, having a great 2020 um, and kind of pretty much high, really high hopes fan wise, you know, anticipation of him this year kind of being that frontline starter and just have not been able to put a really a good start together. Is it something, you know, that's just maybe it's catching up to him because it was such a short season last year? Or is there some kind of uh, fundamental fundamentals wrong with him? Yeah, I think last season he, he just was much better at locating the ball. I think that he was hitting the edges more and that slider was such a good pitch. He got a lot of strikeouts to that pitch. was kind of his out pitch. He was able to get ahead of hitters and locate in areas that, you know, hitters weren't driving the ball. I think he only gave up five home runs all of last season. Um, this year, and just one more start, he's given up, I think, 14 home runs, I think, in 12 starts this year. Um, so I think he's just given up a lot more big hits. And he talked about it after the game, saying he just, he's leaving way too many pitches over the middle. He's been working to try to, you know, remedy that. He's had a lot of bullpen sessions trying to, you know, polish his command, get better control, get kind of back to what he was last year. And then, you know, even on Monday, his velocity was down, his spin rates were down. Uh, just didn't really look at like the same guy he was last year. And, and it was hit hard as a result. And we've seen it happen, you know, a lot, you know, ever since the start of May, I think his ERA is above nine. So I mean, he's given up more than a run per inning since, uh, since May. So in April, I think he had like a 4.2 or 4.5 ERA and was looked kind of like that same Bundy. And even early in the year, looked pretty good. Um, and truthfully, the A's are a team that he usually dominates. And so to see him kind of get hit around like that uh, was not a good sign. And like I said earlier, he's got to get it going because if not, Maybe they put Quintana in the spot and keep Sandoval in the rotation. Still a little too early to say that because Quintana hasn't started his rehab assignment or anything yet. But if Bundy turns in a couple more rough ones, it's how much longer you can continue to go with a guy that's 
has an ERA above nine over his last, you know, seven starts or so. And something that I've seen on my Twitter, and I'm sure you've probably seen on your Twitter and, and social media, is another young pitcher that people are hoping to be in the starting rotation at some point this year, and that's Chris Rodriguez coming in, uh, doing great. Just coming back off an of injury, though, what, is there a plan for him to start at some point this year, or is Joe and, and Perrion kind of um, holding off on that and just let him kind of get innings right now as a reliever? Yeah, I think right now, this season especially, it's just going to be him being a reliever. Um, just because, you know, he had the injury history in the past, had only thrown, what, like nine and a third professional innings since like 2017. So just not enough innings for him to go be a starter and build up this year. So I think right now they'll be smart about him and, and use him as kind of like that long relief or that multi-inning reliever for, but in big spots, obviously, coming in close games for two innings, maybe potentially even three. He's done that too. Um, but I think right now to monitor his innings going forward, he's only going to be a reliever this year, but um, his stuff, though, profiles as a starter. So I think next right. year there's a very good chance he'll come into camp competing for a spot as a starter because we do know, too, this rotation needs to be completely remade. You know, you look at all the guys that are going to be free agents. You know, Heaney's going to be a free agent, and Bundy's going to be a free agent, Quintana's going to be a free agent, Cobb's going to be a free agent. So you got to replace some of these guys, and obviously they can do it versus, or sorry, via um, trades or, or free agent signings, but they're also going to need some guys to step into that rotation, and, and he could be one of those guys. And I said Suarez could be one of those guys. Maybe Sandoval could be one of those guys too. And at some point too, Reed Detmer. So that there is some of that depth, but clearly they're going to need to get some help this offseason, pitching wise, like like always. But um, I do think that Rodriguez is a, a guy that can maybe count on in the future. It's just all about him staying healthy. And you mentioned all those guys that are up at the end of the year. Um, I think it's safe to say, unless Quintana has like some kind of crazy second half of the season, he's probably not coming back. But as far as like Bundy, Cobb, and like Heaney, especially. Has there been any kind of conversations about an extension? Have they have the Angels kind of talked about maybe leaning towards one guy or or another, or just kind of letting them all go play the market? I think right now, kind of let them go to the market a little bit more. They haven't had any real um, extension talks that I'm aware of with any of those guys. You're right; it is interesting. Like Heaney's been around for so long, right? You know, would they be inclined to bring him back just because he's been around? And obviously, I think enjoys being around the organization. Uh, you know, Cobb has you know, a good tie to, to Joe Madden. And then Cobb really has been pitching a lot better recently. Would he be amenable to, to want to stay in Anaheim as well? Um, so Quintana, you never know. I mean, it's still kind of early with that one too. And and Bundy was a guy that I think a lot of people wanted to extend before this season. Last right? year. <laughs> you know, before this season, everyone thought, extend Bundy, extend Bundy. Um, at this point, clearly that's not going to happen. And uh, he's really costing himself a lot of money in free agency. I mean, I think he's more likely to go out there maybe now, unless he really turns it around and go out there and get like a one-year deal it might be maybe it would be with the Angels as one more year to try to take a chance on yourself, but it might be somewhere else, just a, a flyer, a one- or two-year deal, some team thinking they can kind of fix him. So um, as of right now, it's hard to know what they'll do with those guys. It's a little too early in the, in the process, but um, they're going to have to make some big decisions after the season. Max Dassey, like you mentioned before, has been on fire since coming back from his uh, concussion. Is that a guy that if the Angels do find themselves out, you know, out of the playoff situation, would they look to shop around or is that catching position so hard to find a good catcher that can do both, you know, offensive and defensively that they're going to hold on to him, even though that might be the biggest, you know, uh, something they can get back for. Yeah. I think at this point you have to keep Stassi because like you said, it's so hard to find good catching these days. It's funny. The best catchers in baseball are like all the old guys right now. It's like, you know, Buster Posey's <laughs> having a great year. Yadier Molina, um, you know, some of these older guys. Are Salvador Perez. Having, Salvador Perez is having a great year with the Royals. It's kind of funny that all of a sudden all the, all the veterans are having a good year. Otherwise, it's hard to find a good hitting catcher these days. Um, and Stassi's 
proven that, you know, going back to last season, you know, he had a breakout year in 2020. It was a shortened season. You weren't really sure if it was for real. Um, but this year so far, he's proving it wasn't really a fluke. Um, and he's still having for a few more years of control. It's like he's going to be a free agent this year. So uh, to me, I think he's a guy you want to build around going forward. And I wouldn't, he, he said he would probably bring back a haul, which is pretty impressive considering at the time, you know, they got him for just two, I think, Dominican prospects yeah, from the, from the Astros. Yeah. And no one I'd, I'd never heard of, to be honest. And I think, you know, Stassi that year was truthfully not hitting at all. So it's pretty amazing the way he's turning around his career and his value. But I think his value right now is, is too big for the Angels to uh, to trade. And you kind of mentioned the right field, and it's kind of been a revolving door once Fowler went down early. Like, I think it was like the second series or third series of the year really early. You know, you have Wong, you have, um, you know, Taylor Ward out there. You had uh, Rojas out there for a bit. I mean, it just seems like a constant rotation of people out there. But one name that a lot of fans are kind of clamoring for right now, especially with his numbers you see out in AAA, and that's Joe Adele. Um, I believe to this point he still leads the AAA uh, level with home runs. Has there been talk about bringing Joe up, maybe speeding up that process because he is um, on fire offensively in, in AAA? There's definitely you know talk about him pretty much daily, I think, among the front office about when he's going to be ready. Uh, but they're trying to be a little bit cautious with them. They just know that. With the way last year went, they don't want to have a repeat of that. Um, the strikeouts are still up at AAA, which is a little bit of an issue. The defense is still can be a little bit spotty out there, too. So they want to make sure that's all kind of cleaned up before he's brought up. Um, it's like Perry said, that they want him to come up this time and stay up forever instead of uh, be a guy who's kind of up and down trying to find his way. Um, so I think they're trying to try to get him you know, a little bit more ready. But I do think pretty soon now um, – He's got to come up just because of the way he's producing, especially with the power. Follow him on Twitter if you do not already. That's at Rhett Bollinger on Twitter. Uh, set up your alerts. You know, when something comes out, he, uh, be the first to, to hear about it on your phone or tablet or whatever you want to do. So definitely check it out. Again, that's at Rhett Bollinger on Twitter. And then obviously you can read his stories on MLB.com just under the Angels page. You, you, it's really easy to find. So, Rhett, uh, thanks again. Uh, from from up in Oakland in your hotel room. Really appreciate it and uh, hope to do this again around um, All-Star break. Yeah, let me know. I'm always down to do this. Always fun. So again, I want to thank Rhett Bollinger and Reed Detmers for jumping on the podcast. It, it was weird. We are watching it as you guys were watching it and it was kind of like shaky and we are wondering why, but I can guarantee you it's not like that on the YouTube page. So if you want to see the full interview of Reed Detmers and uh, Rhett Bollinger, definitely go to our YouTube page. Uh, all angels podcast and uh, check it out there again a lot of good information that we didn't even get to with the with uh, red bollinger on there check it out and then obviously same thing with reed detmers find out how, who he learned his slider from or with i should say throwing the ball around and then these two guys are kind of messing around a little bit and all of a sudden oh look my slider who what's been working great for him is is uh is you know been a tool and it's kind of interesting to see who he learned it from or with so that's also uh, something cool to watch yeah, so you think he's being called up this year no, no, I, I think no not not to the majors. Salt Lake, I honestly think maybe give him another month, month and a half, he's going to be in Salt Lake. Okay. But I think he finishes the season there. Okay. I don't think he yeah. – unless – What if we're in the, we're in the hunt? Un, no, no, unless there's a three or four injuries here or there, and then maybe. But yeah. he has to go to the 40-band roster before any of that happens. Yeah. So, uh, But, no, again, did I even talk about it with Rhett? on on the on the interview about the young guns and all that stuff so that's something else but um again i want to thank these guys for just jumping on and it was really cool to have them on and obviously it's always fun 
to catch up with Rhett. He's been on, I don't know how many times now. So, um, Always good to have him. Always our go-to. Always, always information. On. Always he information. Talks baseball all day, and then Dude. he goes back to the the hotel room and then gets on a podcast. Right. Or at this point, talks a bunch of bunch about a podcast and then goes to the game. Podcast. So, yeah, this guy is- so um, no, it's fun to have him here. Hopefully, uh, All Star Break we'll meet up with him again and, and kind of review the season and kind of preview the season too. So, um, just like at any point, you can always email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. So, um, we'll put out when we are talking to certain people, mostly if I feel comfortable that they're going to show up, you know, like Rhett, I always feel comfortable. He's going to show up. So I'll put like, Hey, if you have questions, players, what I've learned, not read, read honestly. So I set up the time I set up for a certain time. And so I'm thinking, okay, players or people like in the media have always been like a couple minutes late or right on time. I sign in like seven minutes early just to get everything set up. He's waiting. I'm all like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. You're not waiting long. Are you? He's like, no, I just signed on. I'm like, okay, thank you. But yeah, he beat me on to the, to the, to the stream yard to record the interview. So that was rare, but for the most part with athletes, cause you're just busy and it's the middle of the yeah, season. Moving, locker room, right. Field, so I'm always like hesitant to like, Hey, we're having this guy on. I don't want to be the guy that doesn't pay out. Like doesn't, the guy doesn't show up kind of, but with Rhett and you mentioned it, he's always, if he says he's going to be on, he will be on. So um, we'll put out, obviously when we do talk to him during the all-star break and you can ask questions or whatever. And in the interview, because I did put a a question out there for on Instagram, I did answer, ask him some of your guys' questions too. So definitely check it out again. All angels podcast, YouTube page, subscribe there. Subscribe to this podcast. Some of you might be actually watching on YouTube right now. So um, just hit the subscribe button, hit the alert button, and it will um, tell you when something new posts. And usually that's going to be the first place it posts is on YouTube. So definitely check it out. So before we go, the last thing, and you're going to hear us talk about it at least a little bit more until it actually happens. And that is obviously um, the Beard of Villains of the Inland Empire, the Inland Empire chapter, the chapter that Johnny Mags was a part of is having a fundraiser at Beer and Stave. I think I'm saying Barrel and Stave. Barrel and Stave. Come on. I've been drinking too much. Barrel and Stave Poorhouse out in the city of Florton. Um, again, that's 250 West Santa Fe Avenue, Unit 20, Florton, California. Come out. We are going to be there. We're going to have some giveaways. 10% of everything sold between the hours of 11 and 4 p.m. is going to go to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation in the name of Johnny Mag. So, again, a, a great opportunity to... Um, just kind of hang out, chill. And then obviously too, if you've been listening to the podcast, been watching the podcast for a little while, it'd be really cool to meet, um, some people there. And it's kind of funny too, because you think about it, Johnny always had, always got a kick out of meeting people that like, Oh, you guys do the podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of cool that this will, you know, again, if you listen to the podcast or even follow us on, on, on our social media stuff to come up and say hi or whatever. Cause Johnny would have, he would have felt like it when you say hi. He well, he felt like he was a top of the world every yeah, single time. He always wanted to be a journalist or going to right, journalism right, right. or some some capacity. You know, ended up starting a couple podcasts. Right. Uh, but yeah, he thought he's uh, big time. Big time. That's what he got his nickname, big time. Yeah, he he thought it was the biggest thing ever, and he's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Do you see what they I'm did? Celebrity. Exactly. Yeah, but come out. Uh, we're gonna have some raffles of course Definitely. we're gonna bring yep. some angel stuff uh that you could get in on and that will all go to the tyler skaggs foundation daniel's been working hard to secure some items from some of our sponsors um 
I think we have a pair of sunglasses pair of from sunglasses. Canon, yep. which are expensive but quality sunglasses. Right. It's definitely worth the money. Handcrafted in Italy. Um, nice Designed stuff, man. I'm US. wearing them every day. I am too. Like, I'm like, in my car my, right now yeah. on, on the way here. I'm like rolling HD vision everywhere I go. Uh, I, yeah. wore, I wore them to play golf last weekend. I, I, my eyes felt better. It didn't help me at all play golf, but oh, I mean, I but, but but my eyes felt a lot better after the, I don't the know round. How to help you, but yeah, exactly. But my eyes felt better, so that's important. But yeah, we got we got that. We got I mentioned a signed ball by uh, Brandon Marsh. Wow. Um, we got again. We got a, a season ticket holder that we know. Um, donate a night of his tickets. Again, four tickets plus parking in the three hundred section. I mean, it is prime real estate for a foul ball like i've i have only gotten one foul ball and he was there you um, got a foul ball i only got one foul ball in my whole life um at baseball games that wasn't like Illinois empire where you can like run and grab it where it literally landed like yeah, i've never got one at angel stadium i got one at angel stadium in his seats nice. like literally it was so you're guaranteeing a foul ball then i'm not guaranteeing uh, you a foul ball but i'm guaranteeing you one will be like a section or two sections over from you maybe it will be in your section but it was me and my wife, and this is a perfect example because we're actually in the seats right now of, uh, you know, uh, the old Angel Stadium. But what happened with us was that the ball ended up landing, boom, right here in the middle of the seat and, and ended up getting stuck because there was no one in Did the you middle. out of the way, way and, like, let the ball almost hit her? No. Actually, what happened was it was me and my wife, and then I kind of pulled her this way towards me. Oh, okay. And then it hit in the seat next to her. And then I reached over her and grabbed it without, and I pushed her out of the way. And like, that's it. But yeah, so um, those seats are great. Uh, so we'll definitely have those tickets there for raffle again. It's going to be something simple. It's going to be a ticket raffle. Buy tickets, put your name, put your. We'll put it in the hopper. There you and go. We'll go like that. Or hopper, or even, you know, maybe we'll have mason jars and we'll just pick one out. You know, we're still figuring that. Figuring that stuff out, we still got um, just a little bit over a week. This is going to be Saturday, July 16th. Again, in June. June. Jesus June 26th. Right. I got to stop drinking. Cut them off. I've been drinking water the whole time, folks. This is why. You're I, welcome. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be Saturday, June 26th in Fullerton, Barrel and Stave. There you go. <laughs> Poorhouse, 250. West Santa Fe Avenue, Unit 20, Fullerton, California. 10%, 10 of the proceeds will be donated to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. And, hey, if we're there, you want to buy us a beer? We'd appreciate it. We're bringing, we're bringing my wife so she can drive us home. Never passed up a free beer. Never, ever. Put that out there. Yeah. Never, ever passed up a free beer at all. But, again, that's our biggest thing. Obviously, we'll be talking about it more and more as we get closer. Again, it's a week from Saturday. Love to see you guys out there. Love to see some of the fans out there. So, definitely check it out but that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the all angels podcast again we will be back monday to review the uh detroit series full capacity angel stadium we will be out there saturday hopefully get a little bit of tell you don't tell angel stadium or angel officials i don't want to get in trouble you're not allowed to do that anymore i honestly don't know but come on you don't think that people are tailgating out there well tailgating yes tailgating how we tailgate yeah no so we're gonna be on a little low key so we might not have like the flags and the easy up and all that stuff but um we will try park as close to the big a as possible and then you know we'll let you know where we're at yeah, we hope to have some giveaways so uh look out on all our social media we'll probably do a little sneak yep. peek yeah preview while supplies last exactly that's the biggest yeah. thing supply that's free so we don't make a ton of them yeah. make make few 
but obviously we get love seeing some, the fans. Get you yeah. some button swag going on. Boom. So. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia. I'm the curator. And we will see you Monday after the Tiger Series. Have a good night. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.